people get asked to speak or they want to speak somewhere and they think, here's what I have to, what do I have to tell these people? And that's their, that's their like knee jerk reaction. What I, what I often encourage for you to think about is what does that audience need to know? And what do they want to know from you? And so if you're ever asked to speak or if you're ever hoping to speak somewhere, think about, put yourself in the audience and think about what they want or need to know. Because yeah, far too many people approach it from here's what I have to tell them. And there's a, there's a difference there. There's a gap in the middle. Sometimes it aligns perfectly, but oftentimes it doesn't. And oftentimes there's, there's different things that an audience needs than what people's, again, initial reaction is to think they have to offer. And, and so authenticity plays a role there. Thinking about offering true value for the audience plays a role there. And crafting something that's, that's a, yeah, of value to them. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. And I'm your other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, do we have an exciting episode lined up for you today. Our guest today is one of the organizers of the world-renowned TED Talks. He runs the TEDx Toronto series of talks annually. He is also a agent to speakers, so he books speakers for corporations and other events. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, Jeff Loans. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's great to have you. It's a real pleasure. Jeff, I'm curious, how the heck did you get involved with TED? Tell us your story. Yeah, great great question. It's uh, it's a bit of a long story, actually, or, or, or at least one I like telling, but um, through a random series of events, the first year TEDx Toronto happened nine years ago. It was pulled together in six weeks by basically three guys, and uh, I didn't get accepted to attend. So uh, cause it was only about it was at Theater Pass Marine. There was only about 150 seats. So then I started hunting around for a way to volunteer the next year, and I had seen a photo of a guy who I who had randomly met on the street one day, and I had his contact info, and he was he was at the TEDx after party that year. So I wrote him and asked him if he knew how I might be able to get involved. And he said, I just got asked to be the programming director yesterday. Do you want to join that team? Because I was working with speakers back then as well. And he's like, you probably know about speakers and I don't know that much. So uh, that's how it started very, very randomly. There's, there's more of a backstory I'm sparing you right now uh, about how I met him on the street one day and everything else. But that's how it kind of <laughs> happened. Um, and yeah, then I spent, I spent um, six years on the programming team or five years on the programming team, then actually spent years seven and eight of TEDx Toronto not involved, just uh, actually finally going and enjoying the show, and then came back this year as one of the co-chairs and the programming director. That's absolutely incredible. Um, So as part of you doing this, you've come across some of the most renowned speakers in the world, as well as people who are up and coming, right? And and in that Mm -hmm. sense, you're starting to become known for this. One of our mentors, a man named Matt Church says, an expert is someone who knows something, a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. Jeff, right now you're known for being the TEDx guy, the guy who puts on <laughs> TEDx, right? So 
in a, in a sense, you've become a thought leader. And these are the four elements of thought leadership that Michael and I have identified through our own work. Sure. Let me, let me go through them. Number one is having a, a clear message and a clear market that you're going after. Number two is having a strategy of preeminence and being the best in your field. Number three is finding the right mentors. And number four is finding the right peers or the right peer group. I got to believe that in being established as the guy who's the TEDx guy here in Toronto, you've hit on all four of these. Can you walk us through how you apply each of these four elements to what you do? Ooh, that's a good uh, question. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't taking notes as diligently as I, uh, you know, should have been. Been so why don't, why don't we pick them off? Why don't we pick them off one by one? Yeah, so yeah. we'll go with clarity of message and market. Let's start with that. Sure. So, I mean, um, I think for, I think for both myself and TEDx Toronto and sort of they're one and the same, but also TEDx Toronto represents something so much bigger and a huge team of individuals that bring it together. Um, you know, we just look to be at the center of great things that are happening in the city and great people doing amazing things in the city and beyond, you know, we're not restricted to just Toronto. Toronto plays an interesting role in, in Canada, obviously, uh, to people in Toronto, the center of Canada, and to people outside of Toronto, the you know Toronto's a place that thinks it's the center of Canada. But we but we respect that that place and that role, and obviously it plays a huge role in our country. So we try and just you know be in the know of who's who are doing amazing things, who are leading in their in their various spaces, and um, who have great stories to share across across a whole you know different range of topics that are of interest to citizens in this city and beyond. So when it comes to, as you say, clarity of message, I guess for me, the most important thing with my role at TEDx Toronto is to be accessible and know that we're always on the hunt and always trying to shine a light on the basic things that are happening um, and always looking for uh, partners and supporters and volunteers to help bring the whole event and bring those ideas to life. And so I guess if there's a uh, kind of clarity of, of message with what we try and Put out to the world and what I do in relation to my work there, that would be that would be it. Okay. How about clarity of your market, your target audience, if you will? Right. So it's almost it's almost similar. You know, for for years, actually for the first eight years, TEDx Toronto had a had an application process and our audience was, you know, and it remains, you know, very highly curated. So people applied to attend and then they were invited to get a ticket. And we like to we like to think of the audience as very much an extension of the speakers of just people doing amazing things across the city. People who will people who will take action with the ideas that they hear that day. People who will take action with and engage with the individuals that they meet that day. And so similarly, there's no really refined market. I wouldn't I wouldn't say for you know a TEDx event in general because they're all about inclusion and just accessibility. But I think that again, just you know pulling on pulling on and connecting with and connecting at an authentic level with individuals who are, again, doing amazing things across the city, who will take action from the day. That's who we're looking to to be in, in contact with. And that might not be the, uh, the clarity of, of client or clarity of audience that, you know, others are looking for, but it actually becomes pretty clear when you, when you meet the right person and say, you should be here or when you meet the right person and say, check out this talk. Like it's, it's very, um, it's very palpable and, and they come in all different forms and shapes and sizes. And we've got, you know, leaders from the business community from Bay street. We've got leaders from, 
you know, the, the various communities, uh, Scattic Court, Community Center, Regent Park, um, you know, so we've got, we've got those groups that we try and make sure they're there because they're people who can make the biggest difference with something that they learn or some insight that they take from the day, just as much as, you know, business leaders, just as much as, you know, sports and athletics leaders, um, just as much as leaders from the media community and not just media community to be there covering it, but media community to be there getting, you know, a true feel for the pulse of Toronto and amazing things that are happening. So when you connect with that right person, they can look so different, feel so different, be so different and spend their days very differently. But there's, there's a sense of like, oh, you need to be at this day because you're, you know, you'll kind of move your needle by being there. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. How about strategy of preeminence or being the best in your field? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I'll I'll take that one a little more personally. And for me, I've taken that as be trying to become a vacuum for ideas, thoughts, and people. And so this is connecting very directly to what I just talked about. But it's really um, that's how I feel I can be the greatest kind of curator, programming director for TEDx Toronto is just to create that vacuum and have people thinking of me whenever they hear of someone doing something amazing or hear of great inventions in the city or innovations in the city or projects that are happening. Um, yeah, just, just, just knowing that I can't know everyone in this space and knowing that I'm not expected to know everyone that's doing great things. But if I can, if I can be the absolute best at knowing who might know, then that's my that's my best chance at uh, at finding the greatest speakers, and then our team kind of takes that same philosophy on as well. Okay, how about finding the right mentors? <clears throat> yeah, great, great question too. Probably relates directly to the to the prior um, one. I'll take that. Maybe I'll take this question and go organizationally again. I'm bouncing between personal and organizational, but I'd say for TEDx Toronto, you know, I think we embody that knowing what we don't know. So we spend a lot of time going to other events. And trying to, and trying to take you know mentorship uh, in in what they do and how they activate their events. But the thing is, is that we've also chosen not to just go to other conferences and certainly just other conferences that are kind of a speaker series. We go to circus shows and we go to rap battles and we go to slam poetry nights and we see the energy that they build in their events and the and the communities they connect with and and just watch the way their communities are and the way they form and learn from that so i can learn just as much and and redirect energy of tedx toronto or redirect how we do things as much from going to a you know a you know, these amazing rap battles that happen in Toronto and learn about events as much as I can by going to a 4,000 person conference at the convention center. Um, and we, we do that. And the thing is actively practicing that and trying to learn from both of those audiences and both of those events. So mentorship in the form, in the form of organizationally following other events. Um, and then, you know, personal mentorship again is just respecting and, um, and learning from those who have been involved in this event in the past and past rather, and others who, you know, again, run those other unique, cool events that create such a great energy. And I think that's where TEDx Toronto's become and lived as this, you know, non-rigid, fun, interesting place for people to connect because they, because we try not to treat it like any other conference. Awesome. And then finally, finding the right peers or being in the right peer group. How have you implemented that? 
Yeah. Great angle that again, I feel like, I feel like these for me are, are, are all coming full circle a little bit, these four pillars, but the peers that we try and center ourselves with again, are not just, we, Ted Toronto and myself, we don't just look at this as an event that stands up next to five or six other great speaker series in the city. We look at it as something that should compete for being the most entertaining day, right along with the shows that happen at the Mervish theaters. You know, we want to, we want to be as entertaining as, as shows in those theaters. We want to be as insightful and as thought provoking as the dialogues that are happening at the Toronto reference library. And we want to be as, you know, in curating as amazing an audience as any of the networking events or any of the kind of really cool events that are happening across our city any given day. We want to be building that all in one day across every industry for people. So I think that that's, that's where we center ourselves and that's where we try and find our peers. We find our peers in, in very different places versus just looking at like other conference organizers and thinking that we look like them or that we should look to them and then, then, network with them. We try and do it across so many different areas and events and industries. And then I personally, you know, in terms of my role with TEDx Toronto, I personally try and spend a lot of time uh, working with and learning from other speaker coaches because one of the big things we do at TEDx Toronto is coach our speakers in a really, really comprehensive process. So that's always evolving. It's, it's, you know, there's a nice standard there. There's a nice standard of quality there, but we always want to be improving it. So Try and I tried to identify people who do really amazing coaching work um, and pay attention to them and connect with them and spend time with them to learn how they do it. And then um, that's, you know, that, that's another space where, you know, we, we've tried to identify our peers and, uh, and learn from them. That's fantastic. And I, I will say the speakers that uh, I've seen at TEDx are really, really great. And so you're obviously doing a great job there. Can you tell me a little bit about how this ha- impacts your business in, in the Speaker Bureau? Tell us a little bit more about the Speaker Bureau and, and how the two work together to help you grow. Sure, yeah. I'd say, I mean, I they are very separate. They round out my personal growth, I would say. So our, our speaker agency is a... Um, I'm myself and a partner, plus a, plus a couple of staff, and we have run it now for, uh, my partner started about four years ago, and I've been two years back in. Um, we work with, we represent a fairly small roster of speakers, um, trying to keep it a small roster so we can serve them incredibly well. And then we work across, you know, many, many other speakers and focus a lot on bringing great value to our clients that we book with um, and bringing them great speaker solutions for their events. And then we also do a lot of, media and marketing campaigns with clients. So thinking about some of the celebrities that we work with, and we do a lot of that, a lot of bringing in celebrities for big events or marketing campaigns. And so that sits very separately in that that is very much my, my job and my passion and my business. But the, the kind of itch that gets scratched with TEDx Toronto is going back to, you know, curating and being an active curator, because although, although I get to help clients every day, you know, dream up ideas and, and find the right speaker for their audience and event. It still isn't mine and I still am there to, to serve them and support them. So this is just an amazing outlet for that creative side, which is to think of how a group of 15 speakers across many, many industries 
can can come together and create a great day and curating that. So that's that's it's a very big creative outlet for me. They don't really overlap as much as anyone might think, even though it's speakers. I'd say I just have learned and grown in terms of I spend time, you know, really actively practicing uh, speaker coaching with TEDx Toronto, and then I'm able to lend that value back to clients in my day job. And likewise, in my day job, I'm constantly looking at and considering speakers and watching videos. So I'm learning so much about, you know, always, and it's always evolving. I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm still learning and, and rethinking and evolving my understanding of what makes a great speaker, what the important angles on current issues are. And so I'm, by doing that every day in my day job, I think it aids TEDx Toronto because I kind of, I also am kind of paying attention to who's up to what, who is doing amazing things, you know, both in our city and across the country. And, and that's, and so that feeds in value to TEDx Toronto as well. Well, what I can see is, and I think it's really cool, is you've got this one life, which you're working with professional speakers. I mean, they're in the business, they do it for, that's their work, that's their life, that's their career. But you're also involved in this other arm, which these are speakers that are, are simply speaking about what they're doing. They may, may, may be professional, but a lot of them are not. They're up to something else, but they're bringing the platform of TEDx to share whatever awesome thing that they're doing, the change that they're making. But what I'd love to hear from you is what do you see as, you know, the, the listener right now, I assure you, there are many that would A, either love to be on a TEDx stage or B, would love to be getting paid to speak. What do you see as the, the thing? Let's start with the things that you see working really well. And then I want you to talk about the things that you see that don't work. Yeah. So I think the first thing, and this is very much to, to the point of your question, well asked, is is that it's coming from both worlds. So my my, my opinion is is rounded out by both what I see in in, in considering over fourteen hundred speakers for TEDx Toronto that we considered this year. Um, and went through applications and nominations and researched. Uh, and then also in my day job of what's made great speakers. I think there's 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 probably thirty seven factors. I'll try and rifle through the top uh, the top three or four maybe. A little bit cliche, but authenticity, both on the TEDx Toronto side and in, in the day job um, and speakers I work with. Thinking first about a lot of people approach speaking. People get asked to speak or they want to speak somewhere and they think, here's what I have to, what do I have to tell these people? And that's their, that's their like knee-jerk reaction. What I, what I often encourage speakers to think about is what does that audience need to know? And what do they want to know from you? And so if you're ever asked to speak or if you're ever hoping to speak somewhere, think about, put yourself in the audience shoes and think about what they want or need to know. Because, yeah, far too many people approach it from, here's what I have to tell them. And there's a, there's a difference there. There's a gap in the middle. Sometimes it aligns perfectly, but oftentimes it doesn't. And oftentimes there's, there's different things that an audience needs than what people's, again, initial reaction is to think they have to offer. And, and so authenticity plays a role there. Thinking about offering true value for the audience plays a role there. And crafting something that's, that's a, yeah, of value to them. The next thing, and again, on both sides, is a great talk. We always kind of say this, this is you know, customary now, but, but it's important to reflect on is a great talk should be, you know, have, have levels of entertainment, education, and inspiration. And they don't need to be 33, 33, 33. And maybe the talk is meant to be a very scientific talk about, you know, someone who invented a light bulb, let's say, um, as we saw this, this year at TEDx Toronto. But for that to be 
optimally interesting to an audience and for that to not just be another talk and someone telling you how they did something, there should be a level of entertainment there. Think about the interesting nuggets from that story. Think about ways to share it in a, in a way that isn't just like, here's the timeline of how I created this. And then the third part is inspiration. Again, that's not meant to be an inspirational story necessarily, but an audience should always leave feeling somewhat inspired, even if uh, you know it's an easy audience to pick on. But even if it's uh, someone from accounting teaching the new accounting software within their company, so often they'll just you know they've got thirty minutes and they'll present. Here's how to use a new accounting software. It's maybe they've put a joke in the start, you know, to try and warm people up, but it's probably not entertaining. But most importantly, it's not inspiring. And so that, but that accounting department rep should want to inspire people to use it because functionally they can Google how to use it. What that accountant rep has an opportunity to do in that talk is to actually inspire people to want to use and want to adopt this new software. And so, again, any good talk should include, uh, you know, a, a touch of inspiration, even if it's not an inspirational talk. And likewise, when it comes to us doing selection for TEDx Toronto, we're looking for people who can both share great stories, leave the audience with some, with some learnings and lessons, and be entertained and hopefully inspired to take action along the way. That's powerful. That was really well put. Thank you for sharing that with the audience. So... Yeah, there was something you said in, in answer to a previous question, which intrigued me, and I'm coming back mm-hmm. to it now. So you talked about how you actually coach speakers, both in the TEDx world, as well as speakers that are coming to you through the Speakers Bureau. And mm-hmm. what struck me about that is the power of thought leadership really is that you can deliver your expertise, your message, your genius across multiple platforms in many different ways. So for example, you could do some one-on-one coaching. You could write a book. You could speak to an audience. You could have an online program. You could have a training program. You could have a high-level facilitated mastermind. You know, there's all these different ways in which the same message can reach the people that you want to reach. So your impact increases when you when you do things across multiple platforms. And in addition, you'll make more money, right? Because one-on-one coaching can be a really, really hard way to make a living. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? And have you ever considered, in addition to just representing the speaker, offering your thought leadership to prepare people for a fee in any of these other ways? Yeah, great question. We've avoided the the fee model specifically in terms of in terms of supporting people on their growth, and we take it as a part of our job with the individuals that we do represent, and as part of our goodwill that we do with people that we meet with on a daily basis. And, and spend time with and very much are, you know, kind of still building our company, obviously will be hopefully 30 years from now as well. Uh, but as it evolves and as we continue to build it, we feel like that that expertise which we've honed in on, because I, and I do think we know how to do it with the best of people when it comes to both building a profile, building a career, rounding out a career in, in more ways than just what you see on stage um, and in simply helping people speak. We, we've got a lot of expertise there. But I, you know, we like to keep focused on our on our job, which is to help connect speakers with audiences, while at the same time offering that more as you know the our uh, our shameless goodwill that we that we put out into the world and, and know and understand that we'll get back. Um, so that's yeah, that that I think probably answers that. That said, we have we have entered into some relationships where we do support people a little more strategically, a little more comprehensively. 
in terms of, again, helping them build up to profile their career, their their whole self, let's say, versus just thinking about it as the time you spent on stage and the time you spent speaking. Because actually, and this came up earlier to, to your point of, we in our agency actually don't work with very many professional speakers. We actually do work mostly with people who do something, uh, whether that be they're, they're an athlete, they're a business person, they're a relevant and and popular community member in in some area, some industry. And then we work with them on this side of their business and this side of their life, which is, which is speaking. So we like to take a more holistic approach to kind of who they are, what all their goals are, what they're looking to accomplish. And we, we do that automatically with basically all of our clients. That's fantastic. One of the ways in which we like to wrap up every one of our episodes is we ask you as our, as our expert guests, what are the top three expert action steps you recommend our listener takes on in their life, in their business to help move them forward? So what are yours? I think, I think uh, first mentorship and learning, it's just so valuable. And I think even the the utmost experts in any given field, even the most niche of fields and the most, you know, highly sought after expert in that field only remains so by knowing that they still have to learn and still can learn and excuse me, still learn from others. And that's that I think we will forever be you guys highlighted as one of your pillars. It's just so important. Second, I think would be maybe my spin on that, which is, to reconsider where you look for that mentorship and that expertise beyond your own. I think I've, I've seen a ton of value in learning about curation from people who curate very different events than what I do. And that has been endlessly valuable in how I then come back and apply that in curating a relatively standard speaker day. We bring in a lot of outside input and think about it very differently. Um, because of what we've learned, again, from the really different events that we look at and understand and respect the curators from that. And likewise, in my speaker coaching and the work we do there, I've learned so much about speaker coaching from watching and learned, taking stories from how basketball coaches coach basketball. I've learned really? a lot and shifted my style significantly when, when I learned from an acting coach. Uh, so I, I, I didn't take acting lessons, um, unless you want to go way back to when I was in theater as a kid. But a few years ago, I consulted with an acting coach on what they do and how they approach their work, because it's all just trying to move the needle for someone, right? I'm doing it with a speaker, trying to pull out their stories and help them shape their narrative. They're trying to pull out their emotions and help their broaden their range and help them act and portray characters better. And I learned so much and shifted my personal style so much after I spent time with an acting coach and learn from them and their tricks. Wow. And third, I would say, you know, know, know your value. That's really important and know that your value is both how you perceive your value to be, but never be afraid to take outside input on what others see your value to be and just be, be constantly conscious of that value is what the, dollar figure is on it and also what the value is that you offer. And I think a lot of people think about the value and they only think about the one side of it, which is, okay, I need to make X amount of dollars this year. I've got 20 years experience in this industry. So that justifies some, some amount. And so broken down that equals to my value is a hundred dollars an hour or, or, or however people shape it. 
what they often don't think about when they're when they're creating what is the, the value of themselves is actually thinking about their output too and how much value they offer to organizations. And I think that challenges when you're trying to think really authentically about value and value prop, you can become a little more realistic and identify gaps when you recognize that, hey, what I'm offering doesn't really equate to the dollar figure that I've set to myself and what my time is worth. But at the same time, you oftentimes can learn that, wow, I'm really changing people's organizations or moving the needle on their work or whatever it may be and find out that you actually, even though maybe it sounds like a good hourly rate or sounds like a good day rate, you have very much undervalued yourself because you're making a big impact. And so I think it's about considering both sides of the value and then knowing truly what you offer. And that will be endlessly valuable as your to yourself as you go into negotiations or even are just looking for the types of projects you want to be working on and the types of organizations you want to be with. That's fantastic. So I've attended TEDx Toronto's event this year. I was blown away by the quality of the speakers. I was blown away by the quality of the event. It was an experience. And for me, it was a wild level experience. So if you're listening to this podcast and you've never been to a TEDx event, do yourself a favor and go to a TEDx event. If you're from Toronto or you're in Toronto, go to the TEDx Toronto event. But if you live in another city and there is a TEDx event there, make sure that you attend that. If you are someone with a really interesting life experience who's looking to get into speaking, you may want to contact Jeff as well. I'm sure we'll get Jeff's website for the um show notes. And Jeff, if there's anything else you want to say in terms of promoting either one of those right now is the time to do it. Yeah, no, I'll just say thanks to you guys for the time. I really appreciate it. And I just would, would circle back to the value, you know, and and thinking about not thinking about the, the value from the sense that I just shared about knowing your own value, but we'll all be a little better off if everyone takes their time on, on any given stage a little more seriously, whether you're getting asked to present for 10 minutes at a town hall to 50 people or you've got an hour-long keynote in front of 2,000. If we all take that stage a little more importantly and we all center our attention on what the audience needs to hear and what would be valuable to them, we'll, uh, we'll all be a little better off and have better days and, and listen and see better presentations. So um, that's, that's, my last, that's my last plug for just uh, better content on stages everywhere. But uh, yeah, 100%. thank you. Thanks and go to the, the TEDx... Go to, go to the TEDx Toronto website and order tickets for the event next year. That's definitely what we want to say. And if you're serious... Yeah, check out our talks. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. The, the talks from this year will be up online within a week or so, actually, um, which is to say, uh, yeah, you can, you can check them out then. Sure. It'll definitely be online by the time the, the uh, episode goes live. So, yeah, so, absolutely. So if you're listening here to Jeff and you're serious and you want to know If you have a genius, if you have a message that will resonate in the marketplace and you want to find out how much that expertise is worth in the marketplace, let's jump on a call and find out if you could be the next Jeff Loans of your market niche. Do you believe in your message enough to not let the chattering monkeys in your head steal your dream away from you? Are you going to let the fact that right now you're a little bit afraid silence your voice, silence the dream that's inside you? Or are you going to say no to that? You're going to jump forward and get your voice heard. If that's what you want to do, if you want to get your voice heard, let's jump on a call at ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Let's find out if you could be the next Jeff Loans of your niche. Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. 
No problem. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. It's great having you. That wraps another episode of the Thought Leader Revolution. To learn more about today's guest and as well to figure out and find out what your thought leadership may be worth in the marketplace, please go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Book that call. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.